Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Who or what do you picture in your mind when you think of God? For me, as a kid, it was always a patriarchal Charlton Heston. The figure with the long white beard and the flowing white robe. Then in 2023, or no, it was 2003, sorry, we haven't gotten there yet. I watched Morgan Freeman in a performance called Bruce Almighty, and my picture of God totally evolved. When we attribute human qualities and traits to non-human objects, such as our stuffed animals when we were kids, or to our pets even, we are participating in something called anthropomorphism. I cursed at my printer yesterday. I expected it to respond, and it didn't. (laughs) The ancients did the same in their time. Our scripture today comes from Exodus, and it reminds us that humans have always had a need to try to understand the thought and the intentions of others, both human and non-human. It's how we make sense of the unexplainable. As you listen to today's scripture verses, pay attention to the poetic language and the imagery that the author utilizes to describe their perception of God and see if it aligns with yours. Exodus 33, 10-11. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then in Exodus 34, 5 to 8. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. I wish I was not created in the image of God. That's what a young student told me when I used to teach at a college. I wish I was not created in the image of God. At first, her her statement somewhat startled me, and my tendency at that moment is to kick in and basically say, well, here's why you should wish that you were created in the image of God. But for some reason, something in my brain clicked different this time, and my response was very simple. Tell me more. 
Tell me more about why you wish you were not created in the image of God. With renewed sense of confidence, she looked right at me and said, well, in one way, I'm glad that I'm created in the image of God. Because God being love, God being justice, I mean, being just, God being compassionate, I'm glad I have those traits in me and that they are part of humankind. But Tony, she said, I have to be honest with you. There's some other traits of God that if I'm created in God's image, I would much, much rather not be. Because when I read the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testaments, I find a God that I really don't care about or care for. It's a God that is vengeful. It's a God that will visit the sins of the, of the fathers upon their children, even if the children are innocent. It's a God who shows favoritism for some reason. God chose a particular group of people, not because they were better than all the other people. It's just simply because God chose to do that. And because of that, all the other people at times suffered the negative consequences because God was showing favoritism to this particular group. And I don't like that. But the one that really bothers me, she told me, was this idea that God commands genocide. That God tells his chosen people to go and wipe out a whole town, a whole city. And by that, not only the military, those that are fighting men, but also they are to go in and kill all the women, all the children, and all the cattle, or all living things. She said, today, we, as human beings, we won't even do that. We all came together as countries and agreed that there were certain rules by which we would conduct war. She said, we're lucky that we're not following God's rules. And that really hit me. And for the first time in my life, I thought about it. Am I glad that I am created in God's image? There's a part of me that began to reflect upon that idea in a deeper way. And I realized that in many ways, God is the ultimate human being. If you take the best characteristics of human beings, multiply that, and then multiply that again, that's God. If you know how to love, Jesus says, how much more God knows how to love? If you know how to do justice, how much more will God do justice? So God is more 
than we will ever be as human beings when we are at our best. But at the same time, if we're honest, God can be worse than the worst human being. All you have to do is read the Bible. And those are the ideas that you find in there. Some of the things that the Bible says that God does or did, I would be appalled if I found another human being doing those things. How much more God? And the one that really struck me after her, this conversation with her was this whole idea is that if we are all created in the image of God, why can't we get along with each other? Now, I understand, yes, that children of the same family will fight one another. But according to what the Bible would say, our family is much bigger than that. So why can't we all agree? Why can't we all agree what God desires for humanity? Why can't we all agree what God's will is? Why can't we all agree upon what attributes apply to God? But we don't. And that continues to create divisions within humanity. We see these divisions when it comes to religion at large. How many times there have been battles and violence because people have different religious ideas and they act in the name of their God to wipe out another group of people. But it not only happens at the religion level, if we're honest, it happens within religions. Think about all the schisms and the divisions that have taken place just within a particular denomination within Christianity. We've already talked about the Anglicans. We talked about the Methodists. How many Presbyterians, different groups of Presbyterians are they? Even in our denomination, United Church of Christ, there are, there are churches that are dividing and separating themselves because they cannot agree on what God wants for humanity. So if we are truly created in the image of God, why can't we get along? And then it hit me. An idea came to my mind. It's one that I will share with you this morning, but I might be wrong about it. So as you listen, I would encourage you to think for yourself through this. Ask yourself if this idea could work for you. 
If it does, hold on to it. If it doesn't, let it go. But here's the idea that came to my mind that made me realize that maybe this young college woman was correct. Maybe we are not created in the image of God. Rather, maybe we created God in our image. Hear the difference. We are not created in the image of God. Rather, we create God in our image. How does that work? Well, if you take the idea that we are created in God's image, <clears throat> immediately you have to buy into the idea that God is static and that God reveals God's self to humanity. And so that everything you read in the Bible is a revelation from God and many people believe is to be true, to be accurate, to be without error. But on the other side, if we created God in our image, then we have to step back and ask a couple of questions. Number one, considering evolution, in the evolutionary process, process of Homo sapiens, at what point did our species begin to think about God? In our, in our evolving, at what point did our minds develop to such a point that we could actually even think of something that is abstract? I mean, you go back far enough, the ancients will tell you that they had names for objects that they could see, that they could touch, that their senses could interact with. And they gave them names. But as their minds begin to develop, they begin to realize that there were other forces that were moving in their environments. The more they became aware of their environment, they saw the positives that came with it. They saw the positives in that it had plenty of resources that enabled them not only to live, but to flourish. From food, from shelter, to weapons. All needed for their survival. And yet, at the same time, their environment that they were in, at the same time, that environment could be very dangerous. It was unpredictable. It was mysterious. You couldn't control it. They begin to be aware of this unseen force that was moving around them. And this force was manifested in the wind. This force was in, manifested in thunderstorms and in rain. And they couldn't control it. But they tried to understand it because if they could understand it, then maybe they could control it. So how do you understand something? 
that you can't see, that you can't touch, that audibly you cannot hear. Well, they pulled on the one thing that they knew more than anything else themselves. And what, how they viewed themselves, they begin to apply to that unseen force. The attributes that they themselves possessed, they begin to apply to that force. Because it gave them a sense of meaning. It gave them a sense of knowing. As Janelle said in our scripture reading, as you read the Bible, you can find traces of this scattered throughout the Bible. God is personified. God is anthropomorphized. God is a human being. And that's what happened. Was that as they applied these attributes to these forces, in time, this force began to be seen as a being. Not a being in the sense of form, like you and I have form, and not, 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 not like that. But in all the other ways, yeah, it was like us. Maybe you've done this with your pet. I'm guilty. The little dog we have right now, I look at, sometimes I look in its eyes, and I pretend like I know what's going on in its mind. It's hungry. It's sad. It wants to go outside, and then it wants to come back in, and then it wants to go back outside again, and then eat. That's the routine. But I take these ideas I have, and I put them on my dog. But because I cannot communicate to my dog, my dog cannot communicate to me, that's the only thing I can do to try to understand it. I don't know about you, but what Janelle said when she cursed at, I think it was her computer. Is that what you did? You cursed at what? Oh, your printer. You should start with the computer. How many, how many of you have done this with a car? Have you gone to start your car and it just won't turn over quite? How many of you have actually talked to your car at that moment? Come on now, come on, come on. It's part of who we are. But the challenge is, is when we do this to God. One writer captured this idea beautifully in the following words. God sounds an acts like a person. Not in the sense that we can physically see God, but in all the other important ways 
that constitute personhood. We have created God in our image. Another writer continued. His name was Robert Banks. He's an Australian Christian thinker. In an article entitled, A Man Created God in His Image, it says the following. Our tendency to foist our own ideas onto God now appears to have scientific support. From their research, the team concluded that people subconsciously projected their own attitudes of controversial issues onto God. So if you think someone is wrong, guess what? God's on your side. If you think that a certain lifestyle is wrong, guess what? God's got your back on that one. But what happens if you change your mind? The writer continues, when their views changed slightly, they thought that God's views had shifted too. One of the disadvantages of reading the Bible, and I would encourage each and every one of you to make that a regular practice in your life. I don't care what your view of the Bible is, but there's something powerful about reading this ancient document and how it's been kept alive over generation to generation. But when you read the Bible, you will see images of God that will make you uncomfortable. And even those people who believe that we are created in God's image, they have difficulty dealing with some of those ideas. So if we're honest, what we do is we kind of tweak it a little bit. We kind of change it a little bit. We try to explain it a little bit different so that it fits in to what we are comfortable with. Perhaps, perhaps when we see that we are creating God in our image, maybe we will be a little bit more tentative. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, are you, Tony, wait, wait, wait. It sounds like you don't believe in God. No. Not true. Just because I think we created God doesn't mean that there isn't God. What it does mean is we probably aren't getting it right. And I'm not the first person to think this. There was a man named John Chrysostom. He lived about 350 years after Jesus was no longer here on this earth. And he wrote a liturgy. And in there, there is a prayer that continues to exist and to be used even to this day. 
Now think about this. This prayer is almost 2,000 years old. And it continues to exist. And maybe, just maybe, the truth found in this prayer may actually work for us today. It says the following. It is proper and right to sing to you, O God, to bless you, to praise you, to thank you and worship you in all places of your dominion. For you are God. And then he describes attributes of God. But listen to what he says. You, O oh God, are ineffable, meaning you are beyond words. You are beyond comprehension. You are invisible, and you are beyond understanding. Apparently, they believed that is the kind of God that is worthy to be sung to, worthy to be blessed, worthy to be praised, and above all, worthy to be worshipped. That's a big God, not a small God. It's a God that is not created in our image. Now, I believe there are advantages to creating God in our image. But the danger comes when we take our ideas about God and we solidify them into God. What would happen? In the evolutionary process of life, what would happen? If we were just a little bit more tentative when it came to our understanding of God. Maybe we would be a little less judgmental of other people. Maybe we would be more understanding of why people make choices that are different than the choices that we make. Maybe we would live in a more just society because justice is truly equitable for all people and not limited by a particular view of God. Like I said, I might be wrong. But this idea has been on my mind for years. Because the God that I grew up with, the God that was handed to me, is one that I, I can't handle anymore. But this idea of God, <laughs> this could be good. And in turn, 
maybe we as human beings could also be good. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.